0: Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews. We are here at the end of our second series of this we're doing Back to the Future part 3 selected by Chris out of just just practicality really it just needed to be
1: done didn't it <laughs> to finish the Yeah, set. it would have been it would have been madness to go to um <laughs> to go to Else? To, instead of doing, instead of doing Back to the Future Part Three, to do Austin Powers Two: The Spy Who Shagged Me, which is what I was genuinely considering as a as a, new choice. <laughs> as a future um, choice.
0: So yeah, so for those who don't know, obviously this podcast is a podcast where we go back and look at. Um, Uh, films from our past um this week's episode though being a part three of the of the trilogy that we've done one after the other um we actually advise you go back to the at least the back to the future part one podcast because we're sort of following on from that we're gonna be referencing stuff we have said in the previous two i'm sure um so um otherwise feel free to jump up and down the uh to what tickles your, your fancy on the list of um of movies we've covered so far things like groundhog day a goofy movie i'm trying to think like what else did we do we did italian jobs a favorite of mine i really enjoyed that one um god my mind goes blank oh girl next door we did that one goofy movie yeah goofy movie the girl next door was awful you can hear us rant about that for a bit if you want 10 things i hate about you uh the the movie that the the, the girl next door wanted to be (laughs) so badly yeah um so yeah oh, so uh, okay. feel free to uh if you're, if you're new to this to check out any of those episodes but we're here for part three
1: of back to the future um more of the same <laughs> <laughs> very but 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 a real so we kind of did we did nostalgia and our feelings about the trilogy and like mm-hmm. our memories in episode one mm-hmm. um and we've said without a doubt That we recommend this film. Um, So those are kind of the the highlights. the The plot summary. So Marty, having just witnessed witnessed the doc get hit by lightning um goes discovers that he's gone back in time to the wild west and then when getting the time machine back and uncovering the delorean doc uh, 1950s doc and marty discover that one week after writing the letter uh, doc was actually shot and killed so marty goes back in time to save him um it's i think what's fascinating about this is we've both talked about how part 2 part 3 was always our least favorite of the of the films um, and I think we've both hinted that our feelings overall about Part Three have risen slightly on rewatch. And and for me, the thing that's fascinating about that is that <laughs> I think the reasons the reasons for me that it's risen is kind of the opposite of what we talked about last week. Which last week, the problem with Part Two is it's very much a Part Two, very much feels like a Part Two, um, feels like there's sort of no kind of big conclusion. The thing on reflection that I really like about Part Three is the way everything ties together is really nice. It has one of the best sequences, I think, of the trilogy, which I didn't appreciate at all when I was a kid. That train sequence has all the suspense of the first movie's finale, like the genius of like us seeing clara on the train for a while before doc sees clara and like the two doc and marty think the challenge is one thing actually the challenge is another this kind of ticking time bomb of the things exploding in the fire and like the like it's little moments like marty yells at the doc to hold on and doc holds on but you know that clara is climbing over some logs completely (laughs) unaware the you know an explosion is about to go off and there's just it's just a wonderfully constructed sequence Mm -hmm. but also i think as a kid you i didn't notice just how layered and how much you know all three films have the same beats and you sort of buy this one i don't personally i didn't tire of it and i kind of you suddenly noticed them all a lot more like when i was a kid marty seeing the town is just a man seeing a town in the wild west but the the nuances and the parallels and Mm. like you know it's the big stuff like biff getting hit by a manure but the fact that there's always a waking up scene the fact that there's always a or nearly always a demonstration scene the fact that you know (laughs) there's the model and then the The girl interrupts the model not not to scale the girl shows up hide the delorean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah But this time, the girl is is there for Doc, not Marty. Um, and I didn't appreciate. I think this is one of the funniest like films of the trilogy. Like, yeah. there's just it, the script is very, very funny. There's like, a moment from in this one
0: I laughed at so much. We had to pause it and then rewind yeah. it and watch it again because I enjoyed it so much. It's the one I can't remember exactly what Marty says, but Marty uses a phrase like "chill out" or something, which is a phrase from the modern time. And Biff just looks at his two coons, Sorry, Griff or Maddo, whatever he's called. Looks at his two goons and they sort of shrug. And he looks back and he goes, Maddo strong words. <laughs> Clearly not having understood any of what Marty said. Yeah. It's such, I,
1: liked, I it's, it's all in the performance, but it's perfect. I liked Griff counting and he's like, five. Yeah. And like he looks to his goon and his goon's like, seven. It's like, seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That it's was great. really funny. It's so um, good. And and also, you, I, you
0: wouldn't, It wouldn't surprise me to discover some of that was improvised because we do know that um, Tom Wilson on the set of Back to the Future 1, for example, improvised that Make Like a Tree and Get Out of Here line. So it wouldn't surprise me to discover that. But, oh man, it is a really funny movie. It's—it's it's, Because it's you know what it really is, Chris? It's really funny movie. It's freer than the second one because it doesn't have yeah, to and spend... <laughs> the second movie is basically a, a thinly veiled... Movie full of exposition, repositioning of characters, and setting up a third movie. <laughs>
1: I that think is, the thing is mostly kid, what though. the second
0: one is doing, and it has no breathing it... room to be funny and to in, like have yeah. character moments. Like, and, like, and then while we complained a little bit, the first one like doesn't have an actual any real moments that Doc and Marty get to show that they're friends. So that you saw almost sort of by the end of it, you believe it because their relationship is so strong based on the performances. But actually, they only ever. Ex- Exchange expository dialogue or movie, and it's kind of weird. The second one, but it, 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 the first one, you get away with it because it, Marty's talking to the parents and they're they're actually having personal relationships, so you you're still getting your fill of that. The second one has is is that times a thousand. It, all all anyone's doing is moving the plot forward and talking to each other about plot stuff and moving plot forward. There's so little character stuff in it. This one, like, it gets such a chance to take a breather that the movie's just free to give you really sincere, sweet moments between Doc and Clara, Doc and Marty, um, Marty and Seamus. There's a lot of heart to this one that the second one simply doesn't have because it can't fit it in because <laughs> it's doing too and when much. You-
1: when you're a kid you get swept up in that cuz you're like yeah. oh they go they go to the future and you see a hoverboard and then they go to the 80s but it's changed and then they go to this yeah. alternative world and like and and in comparison to my mind as a child the third is just all the wild west cuz you don't take in like the the characters of like there's this amazing moment where where, where marty goes great scott and the doc goes i know this is heavy yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's when
0: they first so see funny. the gravestone. It's when they see the gravestone has changed. It's such a great moment. Great Scott, heavy. It's the wrong way round. It's so good. It's. It, <laughs> so I, it's I always funny. remember that moment specifically, because even as a kid, I thought that was absolutely fucking hilarious. But like the movie is top to bottom, like really, really sharply written and much more free to do some interesting and fun yeah. things and tell a proper story than the second one. Um, it's Is it... The problem is, is it still the weakest? Because we've obviously we found a lot of problems with two <laughs> over the over our re watching. You know, two is definitely flawed. Um and when I used to think of three as being the flawed one, I don't know for what now, looking back at it. Just is it was it just was it just the setting was less interesting, maybe, not as into the West as a kid? Or maybe was it just that yeah, it felt by maybe. the third time round it felt a bit gimmicky to have him hit the manure again, and to have Marty wake up, but it's now different.
1: I, I don't. Yeah, it's I don't hard to say, isn't it?
0: What the what the disconnect was for young me about this movie, and watching it now and appreciating it for big, a really fun, the sort
1: of fun movie that it is. I'm starting to think, is this better than two? I think it's like I think it's exactly what you're describing. I think it's the Wild West thing. I think it's like as a kid, would you would the priority have been watching Doc have a love story like? Probably not. Like so, because you don't like. Even if in, as a kid you were into Marty and Jennifer, which you may well have been, there's almost a sort of association. They don't feel that far away. I doubt many kids are, you know, aching for a love story about an older man and, a, and an older woman. In no, that that does you know. feel bold.
0: But um, my my understanding is that they were looking at it and going, "Well, we've really explored Marty and his family and his personal relationships." they see they sort of they, they saw the third movie as a chance to do something with Doc and I think Oh it's genius, yeah, as an
1: adult completely appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying though. Like is is that interesting to me? I mean I found I'm Clara wondering... endlessly sort of um what's the word I'm looking
1: Mate. for? Charming in this movie. She's what such a bit good of character. Means. What vitamins or magic fucking potion is Mary Strandenberg taking or however you say her name because she has yeah. not really aged at all. And no, it's <laughs> amazing because
0: because I've been watching um, I was rewatching some old episodes of uh, Last Man on Earth which she's a, she's in. Um uh, she's a, she's a recurring character. Well, no, she she becomes one of the main cast by the second season I think and she's um she's so good in that show. But she doesn't look a day older than she did off the set of Back to the Future Three, and Last Man on Earth was made what two years ago?
1: <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. right? So I've just I've just Googled it. Back to the Future ranked, right? So Screen Screen Rant has it go three, two, one. So agree with you know us as a kids. Uh, whereas uh, TFM, wait, no, but they, the they film put they magazine... put one
0: first though. You're saying,
1: yeah. So that's reverse order. Yeah. So they so Yeah, that's a bit three, different because when I was a kid, I was convinced two was the better movie yeah no yeah that's true yeah but I think we've we've definitely we've definitely proved ourselves wrong there mm-hmm. um two I assume the film magazine well the film magazine has two first, so I assume they go two three one yeah two three one i m d b has it two three one, so the you know on that very small <laughs> look at it, it does seem like a lot of people do think two is the worst with that kind of modern perspective. Yeah. I just, Um, I just think it's a very
0: messy script and I don't get a lot out of it. And I feel like rewatching it. God, is it, am I actually going to say, I think three might be better. I think it's a better movie on, on being sort of an objective, sort of like review sort of person putting that, putting that hat on for a minute. It's just a more complete film. Like I, The second one doesn't really have a third act. It kind of does, but it's a bit messy. This one feels like it has a first, second, and third act. And admittedly, mm. some of the benefits of this movie is 2 does a lot of setup and positioning of the pieces for this movie to feel so free and able to tell the story it's able to tell. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think the only thing it really suffers from is just the repetitiveness of it because in the second movie it's like oh these keep echoing each other these moments keep reoccurring and that's cute the second time the third time it starts to get a little bit old i guess maybe that's one of the things that holds it back i don't know but like it's 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 i I might be on the verge of basically saying that for me it's the the first one's the best one the third one comes in second and the second one's the
1: worst of the three certainly if i'm going really objectively that's how i feel so Sean Sean Chandler as well. I've just checked out a third view. Sean Chandler, um, a YouTuber who ranks a lot of things, he goes two, three, one. I think if I I think as we discussed on here before that difference between favourite and best. Yes. Um if I was to analyse what the best films were, I would say it goes three, two, one. If I was to say favorite, even that's changed. It used to be two, one, three. I would now say it's probably uh my favourites probably goes uh well, one, two, three. Uh but that is, I fully admit, three, I think you're right, is the better film. It's my nostalgia completely outweighs for two. Um so that's why I'm still I would say w uh one, two, three is my order of favourites. It's, it's uh, the best, one I watched yeah, the least I think when I was younger too, I think. Yeah, and that's a big part of it. Like I don't I don't have the unfortunately the it, the nostalgia heart for three is Oh, it's not as good now it's i'm wrong i was wrong i will say that it is a better movie i think now um but it, yeah the, the nostalgia you know that's the difference between best and favorite um i'm not saying 3 is the worst movie i'm saying it's probably still for nostalgia reasons my not least, least favorite. favorite yeah um but it it shouldn't be because it is. It is a better movie, I think, than two. Um, it doesn't have alternative futures and timelines, but it does have just some incredible character stuff. So let's let's talk about that then. Well, should we? Let's. Uh, there are two. There are two. Like, yeah. Hmms. I, what is I, obvious? I I, <laughs> I have a, I have a real mental. problem with the with. Uh,
0: I mean, this is probably one of the things you're thinking of. Like, you can't she can't be a McFly she, you can't have Lorraine right. be a McFly it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense so li- she's she literally. married into the family she was a Baines why does a McFly look like Marty's mum unless there's some more S- weird incest shit going on I don't like no, it it's well, weird it upsets so, me I don't well, like it
1: <laughs> the actually literally the official explanation on the DVD is literally <laughs> so for those that don't remember this and aren't rewatching, yes, yeah sorry I, we should have we should have explained what this um, was before I ran Marty they have a oh you're in the good old world where they have that scene and basically marty's ancestors that have been set up in the library scene earlier in the film in the 50s marty meets his great great ancestors and his great great granddad looks like him. he's played by michael j fox mm-hmm. His great 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 grandmother is played by Leah Thompson, who obviously plays his mum and looks a heck of a lot like his mum, which is obviously weird because why? Because she's that they're not a distant relative of of them, um,
0: only related. So th- only related through marriage, and then then birthing Marty. Like she's her 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 family yeah. meet the McFly family as far as we're aware in the fifties. The Baines now. and the McFlys come together there.
1: The literal official explanation is yeah. literally this: we well, wanted her back. We wanted Leah Thompson. We wanted Leah Thompson in the film. We were never going to make it without her. And there is a thing that men are—it naturally it, it attracted to women that look like their mums. Uh, so, like, that's literally on the Blu-ray. Literally, I there's like a that. quote. Don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> there's a quote that's literally like, look sometimes men date women that look like their mums, and the McFly family is clearly genetically attracted to women that look like that, even going as far, I think this is in the quote, it might not be, but even going as far to say, if you think about it, Jennifer looks a bit like Lorraine as well.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, oh, I don't like it. I don't like just it. Just it, doesn't like make sense. Look, uh, it's, here's
0: the thing. Now, the original plan... That role, Seamus McFly, was not written for Michael J. Fox. It was originally written... um, Nor should it be. For, um... Oh, God, the name has escaped me. I don't know. George McFly. What's his... Hmm? Who plays George McFly? What's his name? Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover was supposed to be Seamus McFly. Because these movies were both written together, obviously. Because they were shot together. So, before... They knew Crispin wouldn't be coming back. While all that was back and forth, th- it was going to be Crispin. Now, thankfully, the, 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 this movie, it didn't need to be Crispin the way it did in the previous movie. So they had to sort of find that- ways around it and it affected the movie. In this movie, you just hire a different member of the cast. You just cast it differently. They put Michael J. Fox in there. That makes sense. Family resemblances go down like that. that, that line. It makes sense that these are his ancestors after all. Uh, less so with the Lorraine thing but the idea that he'd gone back and met ancestors that looked like George and Lorraine I kind of get it and I kind of get the temptation it didn't work out very well because the George part of it went down the tube when Chris Glover couldn't come back and then the Lorraine thing just now feels really weird
1: so I've got the quote
0: so this is Bob Gale so obviously writer I mean let's be be honest let's be be honest this is all just excusing that they wanted to bring Leah back and I get that she's a wonderful actress and he says that he says that in this quote so he
1: He says Leah plays Maggie because we didn't want to make a Back to the Future Part Three without having Leah in it, especially in a "mum is that you" scene. Of course, we thought about whether it made any sense. Obviously, Maggie McFly and Lorraine Bates cannot be blood relatives, but we did come up with a satisfactory answer. It's a well-known adage that men are attracted to women who remind them of their mothers. Clearly, then, when Seamus married Maggie, that that ensured that ensued that the McFly men would have a genetic trait that attracted them to women who bear a resemblance to Maggie or Leah Thompson brackets even Jennifer is the same physical type exclamation mark I don't think like you should have just been like yeah no look we wanted Leah Thompson in the movie
0: but like if you want there's an Thompson easier solution the once Crispin Glover drops out you make him the Baines yeah because then you yeah because then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't need to be McFly he can he can he can get a glimpse of some old westy mcflies at some point if you want but you make the family that help at the beginning the baines still relationship yeah, you his. could
1: even you could still you, you can still do i mean there's an element of the, the fear i suppose is a storyline they do in george but they, but they but that makes even more sense then actually because yeah, you Sheamus just, you, you, and obviously, oh, To be fair, as well, you can't then have
0: Michael J. Fox play Seamus if you do it that way. But once Chris McGlover yeah, drops fine. out, you don't, they don't have a cast member for Seamus
1: anyway. You just cast an actor; doesn't matter at that point. Well, you, it? you just yeah, but the, if you make it the Baines, it makes more sense just casting any old actor. So that's much exactly. better actually, because because Bane because Shea, at the moment Sheamus, at the I do really like the notion that Seamus in the film is the one going don't. Do this don 't worry about being yes. a chicken it 's fine just walk no one would away think any of that actually marty 's got a trait of being you know reacting to to f- fear and doesn 't want to be called a chicken. George has got a trait of like walking away and not and like almost the opposite problem not being brave how like I, the, the idea of actually his mum 's great great grandmother being that voice being the one saying that. Being it's just the irony of being motherly and not, oh, it's, it's so much clearer, it's so much cleaner. You've got a woman, because Seamus throughout is like, it's like my future depends on it. If you have it be a Baines character and Leah Thompson is playing his great great grandmother being the one that's like just walk away giving motherly advice with no idea why and just being like why am I compelled to give motherly advice to this kid like mm-hmm. to this stranger that's so much cleaner and it gets us more Leah Thompson <sighs> And it gets more Leah Thompson because that's the other thing. They say they didn't want to make Back to the Future three without Leah Thompson. That final scene, you've just got Michael J. Fox dicking around in another costume as Seamus. You don't even like he's in more scene. Michael J. Fox is in more scenes as Seamus than Leah Thompson is as, as her character. So if you make it, if you make that character Leah Thompson, and like, she does have a husband who we meet, like you know, whatever Seamus, he exists, but he's a random actor and he's not yeah, as important. I suppose. To the movie. You, you could be like, why is the husband for the time? Why is the husband not jealous and confused and all of that sort of shit? But I just think it's really nice. The notion of this woman being giving, giving, because that's the kind of advice your grandmother would give walk away. It's not worth it. Taking care of him when he's ill. Like I'd love the idea of his great, great, great grandmother being grandmotherly yeah. towards him without more knowing nuts, right? why she feels compelled to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they, didn't they didn't just make it remains. To... It
0: literally the one, like I, I was watching the movie with Nadia and I just like I, I did, I went off on a rant, similar to the one that just does there's no reason to to do that. It just none at all.
1: Anyway, and it's weird. So yeah, so the, you that's the you were one... saying
0: there were two. What's the other one? Yeah, so I'm... that's
1: the one that's that's the one that actually I think most people might not sort of automatically think too much about because i imagine a lot of people as i think i did when i was a kid just watched the movie and went oh yeah ancestors it didn't really go hold on a minute why yeah. mathematically that <laughs> ancestor shouldn't look like him because the- yeah yeah <laughs> the one the one that's a thing <laughs> and it's often discussed <laughs> oh what's going on with that kid at the end
0: dan <laughs> the kid putting it his penis um and is it not for just has it has I just it forever it's ruined that the- scene
1: it 's not just the penis point, like that's a creepy, weird performance that kid is yeah, giving he's, even He when stares he's at the introduced. camera with dead eyes,
0: the dead eyes of a kid spawned of Satan himself, and he's sort of like <laughs> and before he points at his penis, he does a sort of come hither with his hands. <laughs> It's I it's mean so it's been look it's been brought up and mocked an awful lot. It comes up in every internet video made about the Back to the Future series. You can't not look at it. It's fucking weird how they didn't spot it on the day. I'll never know. Um uh, did you notice it as a kid? That's the, the question because I can't no. I, I don't remember if I noticed it as
1: a kid and do I don't think when I it... knew about it until the internet existed. I don't think I knew about it right. until someone went. Have you seen that clip like yes you like, know it's like
0: weird. I fucking I, scene. I, that makes sense to me, because I don't remember ever thinking about it until, a, you know, a post-internet world. But there's yeah. a part of me that goes, how could I have not spotted that? <laughs> so maybe I did know and yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Like I'm, I am, I'm torn on whether I knew about it or not, because I don't, I don't remember either way, for sure. And I suspect the logical answer is, I missed it until the internet pointed out to me, and now it's all I can see. But it's pretty weird. So, for those who don't remember, um, and you've probably already seen the clip, but, like, if you watch, it's the last scene when Doc um, comes back to to sort of, uh, they have their nice, like, goodbye moment, and Mark, and Doc's um, got the train, which there's a bit of a continuity thing I want to talk about with that anyway, but he's got the train, um, and he shows back up, and he's saying to Marty, well, you know, we've uh, me and my family, and he, he has two kids, Jules and Vern, and it's all very sweet, and he's like, you know, it's all happy ever after. Uh, Marty and it's, uh, it's worked out perfect and Marty's like great because otherwise the movie ends and we just don't know what happens to Doc and Clara so perfect way to end the movie like wonderful but the entire time this sweet scene is happening this kid <laughs> is just either dead eye staring directly at the camera which is uncomfortable in itself or sort of doing a weird sort of come the hand gesture and then pointing at his own penis which is really strange <laughs> really straight right over doc's shoulder if you've never seen it google the clip it's out there and zoomed in and i'm sure like framed so you can see it clearer but like it's 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 insane and it's really hard to enjoy that scene now knowing that's there and i find it really hard to believe that no one noticed on the day but i guess they were just focused on the actual actor speaking because the kid isn't speaking when he does this so it's like he's not the focus of
1: attention he's just in the background but dear lord (laughs) It's it's something. I don't, have it? any of them, as far as I am aware, none of them have ever commented on it, have they? Or no, I don't think so. I don't think, anyone, I don't think I'm anyone's. Fight.
0: I don't think anyone's ever spoken about what happened. Well, I mean, look, it's just a kid. He's just a kid doing weird kid shit. Like I, I'm not, I'm not judging the kid. I'm sure the kid didn't grow up to be a serial killer or anything. But like, it's 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 the lack of the adults noticing what the kid was doing in the background of the shot. Is that, you know what I mean, like all kids do weird shit that makes no sense to you. Like yeah. at the moment, like, I'm not judging the poor child, but I, the adults in the room were watching these shots
1: in editing as well. Was there not another take? Like <laughs> yeah, because I've always kind of gone, well, you know what? I'm seeing it now in higher depth than uh, than you know anyone's seen it before on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. But like blown up on a big screen, like. like- Well, yeah, but the the you know uh, old film stock is still
0: technically higher definition than than sort of DVD Blu-ray by 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 default celluloid. So it's 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 you know when it goes transfers to VHS, then you lose definition. So for me and you, we've gone improvements over the years of definition for this movie. But for anyone who saw it in the cinema or the people editing it originally. It was crystal fucking clear. I, d- I don't know. Use a different so take. Use a different take. I'd have taken a take the, where Doc flubs his line over this very distracting <laughs>
1: action. Well, apparently there's speculation that the actor needed to go to the bathroom. Well, that makes sense. So, yeah, apparently like that's kind of... A, considering the pained look on his face and him mouthing to someone looks like that's basically... That's the theory. The suggestion.
0: He's got such a dead-eyed stare. He, th- those kids have. Th- those kids have grown up weird. You, that's living on that train. I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> it on... is. It Look. is. So so. In general, because I'm so. I'm so conflicted about this because I'm kind of like, you feel you wrote yourself in. I guess they were dead certain they were never going to do a part four. Um but it's kind of like it's weird that the joke ending bit them in the ass, and then they kind of do it again. I like Doc and Marty reuniting, but the notion that he was even able to build this thing—I don't know. Do you?
0: That's that's my continuity Carter, you... issue with the train. So, for those who don't remember, yeah. um, after so d- the plan to get both Doc and Marty back to their own time goes horribly wrong because uh, Clara, sort of not knowing what's happening gets on the train and the only way to essentially save her is for her and doc to sort of like scoot off but it leaves marty just in the time machine going back to his normal time and it leaves doc and clara to live out their time in the old west now as a movie ending it's a shame because your characters never get to say goodbye right so i understand the temptation to do what they do next which is doc shows up in a train he's converted into a time machine and uh and introduce himself to Marty with his wife and now now kids because it's been some time apparently which makes sense it has to have been some time it can't be 10 minutes later because he how's he built a train which by the way Nadia noted and I'd never even thought of this the doors on the train open like the doors of the DeLorean <laughs> they open up and down yeah. like that's really adorable but the question is if doc in the 80s it's in the uh, 1800s did not have the parts to fix the DeLorean. He went back with, because they wouldn't be invented until the fifty or until you know, I think the, I think they said the forties, but they're available for to, for the Doc Brown from the fifties to use, to fix the DeLorean. Then how did he build a time machine in the old west? Because they basically the plot point at the beginning of this movie is that he went back in time, and a small little chip on the the, the circuits was broken, and the parts to replace and fix that would not be available for a long time. So Marty would have to get... He'd leave it aside, and Marty could get Doc of the 50s to help him fix That's a plot point in the start of this movie. So how has he built a train time machine, Chris?
1: I don't understand. Yeah, that's the thing. And like, there's a DeLorean still there that he couldn't refer to. No, he, like, he can't
0: he? If he was to move that DeLorean, it would never be there for Marty to go back and say. No,
1: his no, life. no, no, no. Refer to, I said, not move, not oh, take anything. Right, from, right, right. Like, like he,
0: he could go he, look at it and.
1: Yeah. yeah, he could go look at it, but it just. I'm with you. I don't. Not only does I think do I think there are logistical issues with that with the ending, but actually, you know what i think there's character issues as well like literally a huge huge one like doc's opinion on fucking knowing too much about his own destiny like has rapidly changed but that changes at the very beginning anyway when he's like um he um like the doc of the 50s like looks up his death and all that stuff but he's seen a gravestone anyway okay forget that thread that i think is explainable but the do- the Doc is literally like, I'm going to destroy the machine. I'm going to get rid of it. So, alternative pitch, it mirrors the end of Back to the Future Part 2. A guy appears from the same, we've had this letter in our vault for hundreds of years, da 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 And it's a heartfelt goodbye. There's pictures of Doc with Clara and their kids. Maybe he's fucking named one of them Marty, I don't know. And the sign-off of the letter is like enjoy the future, it's not been written yet. And Jennifer takes out the bit of paper and the you're fired, fades, whatever. Do yeah, you know what I mean? That's like,
0: actually that's actually better.
1: <laughs> like, and you just, the, the camera pans up as Marty and Jennifer walk away from the smashed up DeLorean because Doc wanted them to destroy the time machine. Like, he's literally yeah. like, I wish I'd never invented the time machine. Yeah. Now, I was thinking, like, is there a splaining explanation? I think there is. But you need to, in order for it to work, you need to big this up a bit more. Clara is into science fiction. It, it, the eye, the doc is very blinded by love. If they'd have bigged up her and made her character thing, she wants to explore the universe, she's fascinated by the notion of time travel, isn't it exciting, isn't it brilliant? It's loose, I prefer the ending I've just described, but you kind of go, well, maybe the doc built, found a way to but somehow... To doesn't resolve that issue. To build a time machine to show for her, her time travel, yeah. for her, yeah. But I prefer the notion that they they just they grow old in the West together. Griff's arrested. It's all good. Yeah, I, and 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 you know what you've
0: described is sweeter, I think. But I I guess they were really looking to mirror the ending of of part one, um, and and it is fun and it is and if you don't think about it, it's like oh he's made a time machine but it's a train this time that's funny and then it flies and it, it's kind of ridiculous me and nadia had another question the just question yeah. about it though we both, <laughs> so uh, marty and jennifer go back to the place the delorean got smashed once he goes get so which i think is very sweet by the way that the first thing marty does when he's back he doesn't go get changed he doesn't do anything he just goes straight to see that jennifer's okay i think that's very sweet mm. and it's very well thought out but they go back and they're like, sort of looking through the, the, the you know, the, the remains of the, the smashed up DeLorean. They're like, oh, there's nothing left. It's, it really is. It's gone. We're not going to be able to go back to get Dark. It's this is over." Um, and then the the, the the crossing of the bridge goes down. Yeah. And me and Andy are both like, "How?" Okay, and, that, and, the, yeah. the, and the bit is, they there's a train supposed to be coming, but they can't see one. And then the train from the whatever time they've come from materialises on the tracks. But yeah. what guy in 1985 was like, there's no train coming, I guess I better bring the fucking crossing well, down so that nobody can, like or, uh, me and I were trying to make it make sense we were like maybe doc went back in time and left instructions for them to do it at that exact time and place like and,
1: well. yeah or it's i i my interpretation is it's some sort of fancy electrical signal that's like it, as as it approaches it you know sets it <laughs> it doesn't make it, any sets sense. it down because the reality is in terms of all of this like it's worth it's worth pointing out you only have to buy that the time machine that he builds a time machine that can make one journey. All he has to do is get to the future, and like all the the flashness, all the commodities could be added. Oh, absolutely, in, yeah. Like the, the oh, the, yeah. I'm not. not I'm not. am not questioning that it, but,
0: why it's flying. I mean, we know why it's flying. He's he's built a time yeah. machine, gone into the future, and got on the shit he needs. But it's that initial yeah. barrier that he himself couldn't get over. Which is why he left the Delorean from the second movie in that tunnel for Marty to go find because he knew he couldn't fix it, and he had most of yeah, the how he done that he had an all, how's he, he had done a, that like yeah, yeah. He, had, he had an almost a, pretty much entirely functional time machine, and he couldn't even get that working again because of the because of what time frame he was in, so yeah,
1: how'd he build another one and i yeah, yeah there's for me. The it caps it it caps it up more, and I don't know whether again as a kid like because fundamentally the end is the adventure carries on, Marty. Although it, it's not even that. It's like the adventure carries on for Doc. Like he's got a new family now. Fuck it. He's got actual kids, Marty. Don't worry about it. Just just yeah. grow old and try not to smash into any Rolls Royces, will you? Like so. It's I don't know. I just whether i'd have liked it as much as a kid i don't know but now considering they didn't make any more anyway i'd much prefer the ending of someone appears with a letter cuz you could even do the photo the photo could be in the envelope so marty picks up the destroyed photo and he's like oh and then some guy appears with a letter and it's got a copy of the photo in it like i just mm-hmm. think it's it's a it's a more rounded ending yeah then they they, and they, don't, and they didn't the and they wouldn't even the necessarily
0: scratch. need to repeat the the post theme they could have even had it where like doc left a clue for marty at the scene of the delorean's destruction in the past that leads him to a buried like a like a time capsule almost that has the letter in it you could do something like that as well you know like yeah. there's so, someone happens to, marty marty like gets out of the delorean it gets hit by the train it's smashed into pieces and he's looking around, and there's a guy hammering in a sign that says Marty, and it's pointing one direction. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh yeah, we got paid like hundreds of years ago to do this. It's really weird, but whatever." And then Marty <laughs> follows the, you, know, you could do. There's a, There's a, well, my point is there. That's that's kind of a silly, over-exaggerated idea, but like, there's a million ways you could do it without having to resort to the Doc inventing time travel again. Especially because it seems to me that the that the conclusion of these movies was that every time they mess with time, they make it worse. And they end up getting stuck yeah. or fucking stuff up. And they, they they so clearly hammer that home throughout this movie particularly that that ending and really in does part feel two, a bit It's cheap.
1: even in... It's mm-hmm. even embedded in part two, doc says it in part Well, he says it in part, part that's one why it just feels like... he says it
0: in part one it's, yeah. it's it's you know when you get back to it, it will destroy this machine it's 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 terrible, it's caused more problems than itself, like you know, it's so yeah it's 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 one of those it just it,
1: that's what I mean by such a character contradiction to then yeah. have him just go, uh, fuck it, unless you really big up the love thing because yeah. he clearly is besotted and, and that changes his attitude. I like the time capsule idea because because like, not only, not, not only does Marty not get to ride in the time machine. I mean, Doc doesn't even step off the fucking time machine to give him a hug or anything. So not only does Marty not get to play around in the time machine anymore, but he also didn't give him back the hoverboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the reason I like the time capsule idea is like, you have... You have him return the hoverboard, write him a right note, and give him a good note. And Jennifer's like, "What's this thing?" And then they both get on the hoverboard and they fly off. Like the end. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's sweet too. The um, yeah. It's it's it's
0: fun and frivolous, but there's a lot. The, the ending is flawed. That well, I say ending, That ending element is flawed. I think the rest of the movie is pretty much a perfect like perfect film in a lot of ways. Do you not think like the like? Mm. There's so much you can pick out with that and the Lorraine thing, that it can overshadow the discussion of the rest of the film, but the rest of the film is just like a really funny, rip-roaring like, adventure film, um, with a really I, solid cast, great writing, lots of fun jokes. I mean, I've, I think I've said I it's spoke funny. About I,
1: it, I, sp- I spoke about it earlier, so I'd, I want to get your take on it. Um, I don't want to like, repeat myself, but do you... Do you agree? Did you notice as a kid just how fucking brilliant that end sequence is?
0: I think I think I liked that scene. I remember I'm you know it's it's really exciting. I think I was a kid. I don't know if as a kid I ever had the the the, the thought to go. That's like an extraordinarily good action scene, but I, I it's certainly the part one of the parts of the movie I looked forward to the most. And I think what's really cool about it is they they set up all there are so many. Uh, What makes that sequence tense is you know all the circumstances of the plan because they set it all up beforehand. And what I noticed on this rewatch was how actually subtle all the the exposition is for how that ending is going to work. You already know about the point of no return. You already know... Like because they do that thing where they where they're doing the research, or so they have a no, they have a bet, they have a bet about how fast a train can go. Like you already know, like what how how the, you know what they're planning to do is drop the carriages. Like the movie just subtly sets up all of the rules of that ending sequence ahead of time, so you know what the stakes are before it even gets there. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. And the, the yeah. first movie did the same thing, I think. You know, they set up that the lightning was going to hit at the exact time and he was going to have the, the line down to the street that Marty was going to go through. If he hits it at the exact right time, it'll work. The idea that the bridge will be com- will be complete in the future... Because he's not thinking fourth dimensionally. He's got a real problem with that, apparently. <laughs> I love that line so much. Um, two docs yeah, from two different times. Well. Two docs from two different times, Tom not he's, he he, he's not very good at thinking fourth dimensionally. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, apparently I've got a real problem with that. <laughs> it's, it's just a great line. Um, so, you know, like, they, the, the way the movie sets it all up, you understand the rules and the stakes way before the action sequence happens. And how many movies get to set up the circumstances of their final sequence throughout the whole film? But it's because they're, yeah, that's they're creating a plan to go home. And, it's, and because it echoes that idea of them being stuck, like the first one, it gets to really have that, that moment. And it, is, it's, and it works for you. Like, that last sequence is incredible. And then, because as soon as Clara gets on, you know the plans for that train to go into the, into the, into the canyon because they've set it up previously. You understand the stakes yeah. long before you get there. And, and it doesn't feel expo- expository either. It doesn't feel like they're telling me that stuff. Because they want me to care at the ending, is the characters figuring out their plan. It all feels very natural, and it's all it, it, and it's not all in one moment. They don't have one scene where they go, "So the plan will be," and they go through it. Like little bits come together as they start figuring stuff out. Um, there's one particular chunk about a, a reasonable amount of it in one go, but like a lot of the the bigger details are done over over bits and bobs. So you the, the the tension and the stakes of that scene are there immediately, and it's ri- the last bit of setting up they do is done two or three minutes before that sequence starts. But they've been littering that stuff throughout the movie, you know, the whole way through. So it's still extraordinarily impressive.
1: It's a it's, a
0: it's a it's a great final sequence, and uh, uh, to 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 a surprisingly heartfelt third movie, which was funny because like now after watching the second, you go, oh, this has so little heart to the second one um, when you think about it. The first one has so much really sweet stuff between Marty and his parents and, you know, playing on that idea, the original premise of this movie, which was this idea that would I like my parents if I met them in high school? And you look at this one, it's about his relationship with Doc and learning... Not to be goaded into doing things, and like it's also got the Doc relationship with Clara, which is lovely. Like I said, and we get to, we really do get more of a sense of Marty and Doc's friendship in this movie than the other two combined. I think that hug when Doc first saves Marty from Tannen is incredible. It's 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 so sweet. It really does feel like old friends reuniting.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: So yeah, the, the movie, This movie does an awful lot. Um, it's 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 really good, and I, and like and I I don't know what like what else I mean. Did you? Is there anything else you think well, this work? Like I'm trying to think about it, and I'm just because I feel like we've we've not done the same level of analysis, um, but uh, I, at the same time, I think
1: like, they. You, well, certainly not on the like um, positives. But I think it's so the things you don't notice as a kid. Kid that I notice now, and and actually, I think uh, I was watching it this this last time. And really kind of looking out for this. I think considering they actually don't have a huge amount of screen time together because of everything else the movie has to do, they do a really good job of writing a believable um, love story for Clara and Doc. Which, if you think about it, is quite a challenge. You've got a man rooted in science the entire way along the trilogy. um, And you've got to build enough of a convincing love story that you believe that he risks his life which is what he's doing staying in the west less so now griff has been arrested but like he's do you know what i mean you've got to believe that he's willing to stay in the past um and leave his friend for this woman and he's only known her a week you've got to justify beloved clara being on the gravestone in the beginning of the movie With their love story throughout the movie. And I kind of think the movie does it. And it does it by actually writing. The performances are great. But the writing for Clara is really good as well. The way she talks about science. The way she talks about her interests. The way she. The way they both give this kind of doughy eyed performance. Like it's really impressive that you buy Doc and Clara. It is, and, I, and, I, and it is, I think it's a combination of things, because normally with something like that, where you go, it's really
0: impressive that works. you go, oh, the script does the heavy lifting, or the acting's doing the heavy lifting, and I think here it's one of those very sort of wonderful things where it's sort of all elements have sort of come together perfectly, because um, her performance sells it, but the script is put together in a way that really sells it too. The music that underscores it is really good. It's a, it's an interesting relationship because what's well, an interesting choice to have it where they sort of fall off so quickly, because let's be honest, there's an easier version of this. Really. He's been back in the West for a couple of months, right? Like, at least. He's been mm. back in the West for like, what, seven months, they say, I think? I can't remember. And it's beloved Clara. And him and 50s Doc yeah. are like, ooh, well, who's that? We don't know. But the easier way to do this, honestly, is they go back in time. And he's already met and fallen in love with Clara and in his life and Marty's like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna to have to tear you away from this thing you found
1: because yeah, but then you're he's, gonna then die. He's here. Never... Yeah, but then he's never going, is he? Like then if he if he Well that's, you well, this... damage the love story if you have him even consider going back to the future. And you don't get the ravine stuff and Well that's exactly it though, because the idea being that like he's like, Oh well you know what,
0: you you I, I not only have I gotta leave because 'cause I'm gonna die, but t- you know I'm messing with the timeline, just being here and being with her. And he wrestles with that. You know, you could still play that stuff, and it would maybe have even been easier for them to set up the relationship. But I think what they've done here works way better than 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 that could have, just because of their execution. I mean, it would have been so tempting to do it where they were already together, because it would have it would have been it would have been simpler. But I think they've actually gone the more challenging route, and it's paid off. Um, because what you get is a much more interesting dynamic, and the, the way his love story with Clara ties into his dilemma of do I stay or do I go works beautifully in this film, in my opinion. It's, it's, it it truly is like masterfully done, and 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 it, you know, oh. don't expect a seven year old to 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 appreciate that. I suppose is the lesson of the
1: Yeah, it's the lesson we've learned. That's another which we've kind of actually never. We've not really had that lesson so far. Uh, This movie's actually, apart from a little bit, with actually Back to the Future Part 1, which we both knew was amazing. But this feels like the first time we're going... We had one opinion as a kid, and we were wrong in the... to the the film's benefit. We've done the, this film isn't as good as I remember. But to go, this film is better than I remember.
0: (laughs) Yeah. is new.
1: That's another hilarious scene. (laughs) The reveal... You see Doc. For those that don't remember, please watch this movie. If you think, "Oh, I know it. I don't need to," you see Doc in the bar, about to drown. Oh, his it's so
0: good. <laughs> they
1: cut back. They cut back to him spouting utter bollocks, and you think he's got pissed in the time you've not seen him. But the reveal is <laughs> he's just been holding the drink and hasn't drunk any of it it's just his emotional state then marty turns up he does a shot and does a brilliant comedy fool it's like, such a good pratfall it's great
0: it it it's it, it up there with dalboy through the bar it's just perfect oh. it's great it's really good um it's it's, it's a it's super so fun good. movie i think they do a lot with the um you know what I like about this one as well is it, it, it they get to stay in one place for a extended period of time because they get there. You yeah. know Doc doesn't go till till the Monday, which is like four days away, I think, when they when when Marty finally meets him. So they can p- potter about the town and then, you know, you think, well they get get home, guys, but they realise quickly that their plan will only work when the next train comes through town, which is Monday morning prior to Doc being, you know, quote, quote, killed. Um so the movie just has this situation where they just they just have to live in the West for a couple of days. And
1: that's and that affected it that affected it for me as a kid. Because as a kid it's like describe describe Back to the Future part two, right. They uh it they start in the eighties, they go to the future, they go back to the eighties, it's this fucked up alternative eighties, they go back to the fifties, they interact with the first movie, it resolves. Describe Back to the Future part three. They go to the Wild West. Like, do you know what I mean? As a kid, I didn't like that yeah. because my mind was so blown by the complexities of Back to the Future sure. Part 2. But exactly what you were complimenting it for with a, with a re- adult review head, I'm going, no, actually, that's, that's what makes it... That's what gives it the time to breathe, as you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. That's what gives it those little nuances and those moments, and that's what gives you the character stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, without a question. You don't get any of that really good stuff with Doc and Clara in Back to the
1: Future 2. I mean like if you exactly. it, 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 certainly not with that movie's pacing anyway even the so. stuff even the stuff with Marty in the dock has done more justice it's mm-hmm. a bit weird it's kind of I had like a I had a you know you're slightly irrational not irrational at all but you know your um quite overt reaction to uh man feels like I was just here yesterday yes. where you were like you were just a, I had an equivalent <laughs> which is um oh good it's so great to see you guys back to normal. No, no, no. This for you yes. isn't normal still. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. still different. It's still weird. <laughs> Your experience with them people in this normal as you call it is about five fucking minutes, Marty. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That pissed me off too. And even more so was the was this this actor, this poor actor that had to be George McFly and fucks it completely royally. When Crispin Glover Glover walks through the door at the end of Back to the Future 1, having been changed by Marty's experience, you know, of of being in the past and making adjustments to their, their backstory... He just comes across kind of like effortly cool and relaxed, and yeah, it's he's still nerdy. He's still excited about his sci-fi book, like, he, but he's wearing sunglasses and he's fun, and like there's a vibe. But it's it's a little bit in the writing, but it's a lot of Crispin Glover just giving it this really. Weird confidence that the character never had in any other scene, and it was amazing for me to be able to see yeah. Chris Glover. Really, it, it, I complimented it actually on this very podcast that it was such an amazing moment because Crispin Glover just turns that on, and you go, You could do that because that shits on my entire childhood theory that Chris Glover was just a big weirdo and played a big weirdo very well. Was that you, you look at the last scene of Back to the Future, and actually, no, he can play anything because like he just switches on calm, confident. Loving guy instantly, but still believable. You still Ooh, believe it's, it's the, the same, same person exactly. Stunning. Which is like, mwah, you know, Chef's Kiss. Like, it's beautiful. That's a really good performance. This poor bastard that they brought in mm-hmm.
1: to do it in this. Don't put him in the fucking script. Like, just but you know what? Yeah, and that's the real insult because I didn't, I didn't really take that in until this last watch. And yeah. when they reappear, I was like, oh yeah, his family, his family are seen again. Like, and then they have the door to go, Dad, hurry up. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's how they that's how they do that. Like, the notion is he's waiting for George to come outside and we're never going to see George. That makes sense. Cool. Who the... F- what the fuck? Why yeah. are we getting... Whoa, 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 whoa. You've done it. You don't need to... There's George. What's he doing? What's this guy doing? Why is he doing it? Like, to not only... Not only does it not need to be done, they literally put it in the script the way out of it like they literally you know how you usually at this point on this podcast we would be going it's really simple what you do is you just have her say oh dad i'll be out be you know hurry up you're you're gonna make us late but then you never actually show him they literally put that in the script and showed him anyway (laughs) it's insane it's it's I, it's I don't, not the
0: actor's fault. Like the poor bastard no, got an yeah, impossible this is exactly job. I keep referring to as a poor bastard because what an impossible yeah. job to capture that performance. Like I, the, you could hire the greatest actor on the planet, they're not going to be able to do it. I'm sorry. Like not convincingly anyway. Like it was it's it's really bad. It, and it really shits on the brilliant work Crispin Glover did in that first movie. Um, he didn't come back. Negotiations fell apart. For whatever reason. We talked about it last week. Just don't put him in your fucking movie. Like, there's there was no need for George McFly to show up in either of these two movies. Um, they get away with it in the second one because the upside down old man maybe he's gone a bit, you know, sort of a bit weird again in his old age. Fine, I'm I i do not care. Like, that's that's okay. But in this one, new, new. No, no, no need. Mm-hmm. Real bad. Um, we should talk about the finals of Marty's arc. Actually, we should talk about how that concludes. So after two movies of chicken nobody calls me chicken we finally get the payoff of um the rolls royce accident that doesn't happen how did we how did we feel um about how that all played out do you feel like that's a do you feel like they do enough in what? this movie i suppose to like convince you that he's changed his his ways
1: yeah i think they do and i think what i love about it and i didn't really take this in until again this literally this last rewatch i am might if you'd have asked me last week and it did come mm. up last week i think as well mm. I'd have said Marty learns it and reacts to it in that moment with the, with the car. But actually, you see him do it earlier in the film when he's like, the guy's an arsehole. I don't care what people think yeah. of me and what Griff is going to think of me. Forget about it. And Seamus has this big grin on his face. What like, is, like, What is Mad like Dog he's, Tannen's he's real learned. name?
0: I don't think it is Griff. I think Griff is the grandson of the future. I
1: keep calling no, you're him Griff, right. I think, it I think it might just be Mad Dog Tannen.
0: Yeah, but it's not Mad Dog, is it? It's not his real name because he doesn't like being called Mad Dog. I'm going to look it up.
1: Yeah, look it up. Buford.
0: Buford Tannen.
1: That's it. Um... So I when I and when I saw that I was like oh that's really nice the fact because in my head it was just that moment with needles in the car at the end yeah but it's I actually they it's bake it, it they
0: into the, they bake it into the entire plot of the movie so for those who don't know there's a sort yes. of subplot in this movie where uh, Marty pisses off Mad Dog Tan and a local outlaw who basically says well we'll have a we'll have a we'll we'll have a shootout actually one of my favorite jokes in the movie again he's like we'll do it on um, we'll do it on Monday and he's like you know Oh noon, because he knows he's leaving <laughs> Monday morning at eight. And thing he's like, at eight, I do my killing before breakfast. And then and Marty's like, well, make it nine on puts an hour back. I do my killing after breakfast or whatever. Like, you know, they do this whole thing. But the idea is that, like, you know, he 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 gets goaded into doing this this um, this duel essentially, this shootout and it's like Seamus McFly's like man what are you what are you doing you could have walked away no one would have thought any less here Mad Dog's a crazy person you shouldn't be having a uh you shouldn't be you know having a shootout with this guy it's not a good idea but when it comes to it they're still in the town at eight o'clock or whatever on Monday and Mad Dog shows up a little early and is like right I'm here I'm here for our uh here for our duel let's let's do this and he's in the bar and he's like "Uh, no it's not time yet (laughs) but then he calls him a yellow belly and he's gonna go out and it's this whole thing and it really is baked in to the entire plot of the movie and then Mm Seamus gives him that look and that speech and that you know and and you see him realizing and he's like no fuck it he's an asshole I'm not gonna fight this guy Um, and then he's forced to later but he does it in a smart way he doesn't go out there with the intention to just try and win at you know shooting a, an expert you know like it's
1: No well I, I that smart way I always viewed I, and I assume this is the case I even as a kid I picked this up which is weird considering the big character stuff I didn't pick up I guess but for me the way he it's a he knows to do that because that's what the cowboy in the film that Biff is watching Great. in the hot tub with the girls in Part Two does. Yes. So he creates a bulletproof vest, essentially. Yes, but it's actually what Doc does as well. Like the the we we've mentioned it in Part One, but the cleverness of of repeating the beats and making this feel like a planned trilogy, even though it wasn't, is is some phenomenal work on the writing part. Mm. But yeah, I it's it I th- I think it's executed brilliantly. I think that link that link with Sheamus, um works really well. And that notion that, you know, he's, he, again, and again, it would have, I still think it would have worked as you pitched earlier, if it was um, his grand, his mother's side of the family, but the notion of him listening to his granddad, like, and, you know, following that advice and just this, and just being like, I don't need to impress these knobheads, you know, like because it, it's the guys in the bar that are giving him the speech and like goading him and like you're gonna and they they even do a great joke there it's something like they're gonna say for all of time that clint eastwood is a is a not brave yellow belly or something like. yeah <laughs> which is obviously amusing given who cliff richard clint eastwood is sorry um and yeah i so i think it's done well what do you what do you think
0: yeah i I agree i think it's it's just the way it's baked into the plot just really sort of makes it all sort of Uh, it's all very cohesive isn't it it's all this sort of perfect flowy thing um that's it's clearly very well thought out and it really does sell it and um yeah i just marvel at the script writing on display um i think they've done a i do think they've done a really good job of making it work when it arguably probably shouldn't right like shouldn't really function but yeah and it is definitely way more baked into the plot than I thought it was when I was younger, um, and
1: baked into the plot of part two as well. I think, yeah, I think and, and the,
0: yeah, and the way before. they do the referencing and stuff is really good. And 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 the, yeah, the whole shootout scene is really cool. The way that my, you know, only fights when he he's absolutely forced to, like, to save Doc, and not before. You know, not out of just being called a coward. He's the only time he takes action is when he needs to to save a friend, and then so then the ending isn't a, isn't like the moment he chooses. To do the right thing, he's already had that moment. It's reinforcing it, which is even cooler, mm. you know. So that scene is, uh, for those who don't remember, um, the, the the car crash that supposedly, you know, ruined his life, essentially or set his life on a certain course. He, you know, where he gets fired. He basically, he's in the, he's in his, uh, his jeep thing. There's a Rolls Royce. Th- no, there's a, there's a, like another van that pulls up beside him, or another car with needles in it, and a bunch of other goons, and they're all goading him into a race in his, um, his new whatever it is, Range Rover or whatever and he's revving up like he's going to race them and then instead he puts it in reverse really dangerously by the way and spins the car around don't know why he did that, just don't go like I, you, don't yeah, need I to, you don't need to do that it's just showing off at this point Marty but anyway, and he's like I'm not going to race that asshole and then where they, they would have been racing a Rolls Royce suddenly pulls out and he would have absolutely crashed into it and a, a little detail I only picked up on this viewing the song playing in Needle's car is Power of Love, right? Hmm. Which is like, okay, no problem. Like, that's it's a song from the movies. So that, it's not that clever to use that song there. It's just a song from these movies. But I didn't realise until this rewatch that in Back to the Future Part 2, when Marty is wistfully remembering the accident that ruined his hand because he's trying to play the guitar, the riff he's playing is Power of Love. Oh. So future Marty... Who stopped playing guitar after that accident because his hands got doctor Stranged um, in his car accident? He's trying. He's playing parallel. He's thinking of that moment. He's remembering his his his,
1: his accident that ruined his hands. It's really Very clever. It's, Very clever. It's also it's also again another clever retrospective on part one because what it retrospectively does is. Part one feels like this incredible, amazing, happy ending until that last moment. But by revealing that the accident didn't happen years later, you know, weeks later, that accident happens the same after the the same day that he returns to the future. Which means, even even if if the doc never turned up to collect Marty. And take him to the future. Then Marty being in this new amazing happy ending within half a day that same morning would have fucked it. Yeah. <laughs> he would have had that accident, ended up in hospital and his whole life falls apart. And his his he only in reality would have had that happy ending for the morning of... <laughs> which is just like again just quite clever to retrospectively help it feel like a trilogy because if you think about it not that I don't know how many people did think about it that deeply but like actually that happy ending wasn't a happy ending because he was about to get into this accident which was going to change his life
0: yeah absolutely it's 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 so clever it's so much of this stuff works really really well when it's envisioned when it's seen in its entirety which is why we've reviewed them this way i feel um so should we get into some triv i don't think i've got yeah, really, yeah, a yeah. Um, couple of little interesting little tidbits and again details are just really interesting so the bandana that doc brown is wearing when they hijack the train which by the way what another amazing joke where they're trying to hijack the train he's like is this a robbery and they look at each other and he's like no it's a science experiment it's, just, it's beautiful i love that that's great but does the band- it
1: always make you think of that um seth mcfarlane cowboy movie though
0: oh yeah, A Thousand Ways to Die in the West or whatever, yeah. yeah, that's right because there's um,
1: that great, like, one of the few great jokes in that movie is when he's, like, opening all the bars and Christopher Lloyd is there in one of them, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's good it's good, it's very very um so the bandana that Doc Brown is wearing when they do the hijacking is actually made from the t-shirt that he wore in Back to the Future Part 2 well, the shirt, I should say, it wasn't a t-shirt I think it was nice. a shirt, so it's just a lovely little detail, like, he made that bandana out of the fabric he brought back from the future, I thought that was cool there's a really interesting deleted scene from this movie that changed the ending slightly so you may have thought isn't it weird that the sheriff that they introduce halfway through the movie which is a descendant of Strickland the principal Mm
1: -hmm. doesn't
0: arrest Mad Dog at the end of the movie you're probably thinking
1: I did think that this time actually I only thought it on this last viewing but yeah I did notice that on this last viewing Mm -hmm.
0: so what happened was there's a deleted scene where Mad Dog, between the party and finally getting caught, murders him in front of his son. Oh, God. It was deemed too dark for the movie and taken out. Quite rightly. But they couldn't change the ending they'd filmed where someone else arrests him, so they had to ADR the line, because what he's originally arrested for in the script, and even on set when they were doing it, is Mad Dog, you're, you know, Buford Tannen, you're under arrest for killing the sheriff. But in this version <sighs> of the movie, because they took the del- they took that scene out, they ADR'd it to be you're under arrest for robbing whatever thing he said he was going to rob earlier in the movie. But the original script and even what they filmed, that that scene was in the middle of the movie where he kills the principal, uh, the Strickland, uh, who's not the principal but the sheriff. Sorry, in this in this timeline. Um, and uh, that's what he's arrested for at the end of the movie. And that's why it's not him arresting him.
1: Yeah, because I did think, like, I, when the police show up, I did think on this viewing, like, you took a while to show up. Because they want to arrest someone for the robbery. An entire town witnessed those criminals discuss the fact that they were going to, A, do that robbery, yes. and B where they would be at 8am on Monday morning yeah they should have been <laughs> like, waiting
0: for them in the they, town.
1: Yeah, yeah, they had enough of a tip off like <laughs> Marty, yeah, it's a good Marty point. didn't need to get into all that grief
0: <laughs> like, yeah it's a really good point um, so yeah because that was a really interesting deleted scene there aren't much in the way of deleted scenes in this movie other than that one um, but I wanted to talk about that because this movie it seems like they had a clearer idea of the second and first one both had like some of the outlandish shit they were going to do and chose not to but this one seemed pretty straightforward, the way it worked. Like they, mm. they, they had a clearer premises, so there's not much difference between shooting script and, and what they what they shot. Um mm. obviously also affected the other one by the by the casting changes, whereas they got around that in this one. So anyway. Um Marty uses a frisbee's pie plate to knock a gun out of mad dog's hand in 1871 the frisbee pie company did actually start in connecticut so would have existed at that point and it was their pie pans that were thrown on the campus of yale that eventually led to the invention of the actual frisbee so marty was ahead of his time but pretty much on track with like actually how it happened that's so awesome. It's a nice little detail. Um, apparently they actually went to Clint Eastwood specifically and asked him for permission to use his name in the movie. Um, he was very tickled by the homage and obviously consented. They would have legally probably been able to do it anyway, but I think it's nice that they went and asked.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of that name, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, the Clayton Canyon, which is where Clara was supposed to have died... But Doc changed mm, yeah, time, I referenced the time it earlier by I saving her. If you look at the end of the movie when Marty reaches it when he first when he goes through the when he goes back to his time, uh it's now named um Uh my like Eastwood yeah. Ravine it's named after um Clint Eastwood. It's Eastwood Ravine or something yeah, like that. Eastwood. Yeah, it's yeah. Eastwood. My, yeah. I don't know what Eastwood. happened just then. I think my, my neuron just like died in my brain and I couldn't finish the sentence. Yeah, it's it's an it's Eastwood related instead. Presumably the people of that town who'd met and become fond of Clint Eastwood, Marty Clint Eastwood believed he vanished afterwards
1: because he died trying to hijack a train. Yeah, cuz a lot of speaking of the ravine. Like what are the FAQs on the on the blu-ray is like and i and i get you and i have you know at length discussed time travel and we're big like Mm -hmm. time travel fans but i was very surprised and so i i guess maybe like for me the answer was kind of clear but maybe some people wasn't a lot of people have apparently asked the writers and questioned how if they if the ravine name changes why does marty why does Marty know the explanation of the story if they've just changed tra- time? But that's because fitting in with the rules and logic of time travel that they discussed Previously in part used. two, yeah. Marty Marty comes from a future where comes from a future where he knows that story because she didn't survive. Yeah. Whereas now, like if if he asked Jennifer. Jennifer would only know it as Eastwood Ravine. She wouldn't know. Yeah. Because uh maybe not Jennifer because she was in the time machine. But like say his mum or his brother and sister, yes. they would only know it as Eastwood Ravine because yeah. time has changed. To say that they'd know um, they'd but, know yeah.
0: they'd know about, you know, what was it Lone Pine Mall instead of Twin Pine Mall. There's Yeah, exactly. For the same reason the there's some trivia actually deleted because it's not accurate about that there is a point in time when four DeLoreans are in the same place. And it's in the 50s. Yeah, I read that. Isn't it actually only three? It's three, yeah. So basically, there's the one in the first movie, they're in the 50s, that's there with Marty and Doc, that they're working on to send Marty back in time. There's the one that um, Old Biff brings back from the future to give himself the almanac. And then there's the one that Doc and Marty from the second movie are in the 50s with to stop that plan from working and get the almanac back so there's three in that and time the one, at one that's time. in the so the one that is the one in, that's in the this mine. is the one that's in question though. this is what I'm getting to so the the, the thing is the people say oh there are four in the thing at once because there's the one in the mine shaft that doc in the 80s leaves but i contend that is incorrect because it wouldn't be in that mine shaft until after he's changed the timeline which happens after he's hit by lightning so and by that point 80s Marty from movie one has gone back. Griff from movie two has gone back, and there are only two ti- DeLoreans in that time frame. The one in the, yeah. the one in the, in fact, no, there's not. There's one because that one appears in that uh, tunnel the minute Doc's hit by lightning, and that timeline becomes that. So, yeah, no point that there are
1: four DeLoreans in the same. time. They're kind of the same. They're the same. It's easy. I think it's like think of them as the same DeLorean, basically. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what causes the disruption in time. Correct. Anyway, um,
0: so each of Needle's henchmen come from uh, one of the other gangs in the trilogy. So J.J. Cohen played uh, Skidhead in Biff's gang in the first Back to the Future, and then, like uh, I guess, a descendant of him in Back to the Future 2. Uh, Ricky D. Logan played Data in Griff's gang in Back to the Future 2, and Christopher Wayne played an unnamed member of Buford's gang in this film. So, um, yeah, Needles Gang is just a collection of various Griff and Biff henchmen.
1: (laughs) That, which is a lovely nod and a really nice idea, but I'd struggle when Needles comes up to not go, such a shame Needles Needles wasn't set up, but why would you set up? Well, no, you could have done it. Like, Marty has his version of Biff. You could have even done great parallels between the way Marty is with Needles and the way... Mm the you know marty thinks he's this brave guy but actually he responds to needles but when would you have done done that in the first
0: movie and in the first movie they didn't know they were making two more
1: yeah and also like you it would have been clunky because you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have gone back to it in any way um so you know it but yeah it does make me it's the way they act like needles was always a thing but we discussed that last time yeah um when
0: uh, Mad Dog Tannen tries to lynch Marty, unfortunately, Michael J. Fox was accidentally hanged um, during the sequence when some, some element of the of the, whatever that illusion was went wrong. Um, it actually rendered him unconscious for a short time. Um, he talks about it apparently in his autobiography, okay. Lucky Man. Um, for anyone who wants more details, I don't have any more information on it than that, but um, that sounds horribly scary.
1: <laughs> mm, definitely. <laughs> don't,
0: like, don't like the sound of that at all. <laughs> um tom wilson actually for those who don't know and you should look this up it's amazing tom wilson used to get so many questions about back to the future um he famously wrote a song about it but forgetting the song for a minute that the song is worth checking out as well actually it's called biff's question song um he had this card he used to hand to people who had loads of questions about back to the future and it's like um what's michael j fox like he's nice but i don't speak to him anymore um you know, uh, Crispin Glover is uh, portrays himself as weirder than he actually is, and things like that, and like answers all the questions you might have. And he goes, and in that he says, my favorite Back to the Future to film was Back to the Future Three because I got to learn horse riding and lassoing and shooting. <laughs> and um, looking through the trivia, it turns out, yeah, he really did most of his horse riding, lassoing, and shooting in this movie. Um, he made a, a real effort to like be taught all that stuff, like the bit where. Um, Buford lasso's Marty is completely him. He really does he has learnt how to do that. It's pretty incredible. Um,
1: it is It is weird isn't it that arguably he's he as an actor is given, obviously he's playing different versions of himself in part two mm-hmm. three different versions of himself but you can argue he's got he's potentially got the most screen time and the most stuff to do especially in terms of horse riding and stuff as as just discussed in part three. Yet i can't I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that when I first watched this really young, I realized it was the same actor, and it, the plot was that it was a descendant <laughs> right i can't say for sure that I got that first viewing, <laughs> so like the yeah. notion that it's his favorite film, and some kids might have missed it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I for me cuz of the
0: cause of the setup in two, it's pretty hard to miss, isn't it? Because they literally say I think I knew Buford I probably
1: re- I knew it was a descendant. I think the thing I might have missed is that I might not realized actor. it was played by the same right, actor. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really he's in a lot of heavy makeup. Um he's obviously giving you a very different performance here. Um I th- I I would hope the repetition of Marty being in a in a place like the diner in this case the saloon and having McFly being such a mm. consistent thing that you would expect, that you would hope, um, the way they do that in this movie is actually really clever because he gets Seamus McFly's hat, which allows them to have the uh, that scene because he because uh, Buford mistakes um, him for, uh, uh, for, Seamus. For, for Seamus. It's a really nice nod. Um, I also love just that he kills Doc over a matter of eighty dollars uh, because. <laughs> his horse through a shoe the, the dock as the blacksmith put on but he never paid dock anyway <laughs> So it's all over nothing. <laughs> it's really, it's just a really funny way to do it. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love this version of of, of Biff. It's great. And that's,
1: and that's what's so clever about getting him arrested at the end, because you believe the Doc and Clara would have got killed by him at some point anyway, because yes. the character's so nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have
0: to arrest him. You have to. Um, apparently the Clara character was actually written specifically for Mary Steenburgen, and, uh, and uh, apparently she wasn't sure about doing it, but her kids talked her into it. Quite right too, yeah. They obviously, I assume, fans of the original, and were like, yeah, you've got. They're offering you a chance to be in a Back to the Future sequel. <laughs> Absolutely do it. Um, so yeah, can't blame them. Um, according to the book, Billy Gibbons, Rock and Roll Gearhead, ZZ Top were hanging around on set because they were in the movie. So for those who don't know, like the first movie where the musical number that's done for the movie, the the uh, the, the, the the musician in question actually gets a cameo in the movie in that tradition zz topper in this movie as the sort of town band and they play a version of their song so that song that's playing during the um the 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 clock celebration which by the way we haven't even talked about that dear lord there's a really cool thing in this movie where they where marty and doc actually are there for them turning on the clock that becomes Mm. the clock on the clock tower the symmetry of that is just very very good really stunning and
1: and the i know you're talking specifically about soundtrack songs but in general across all three movies but i really noticed it here on on the last viewing again is the music in this film is is wonderful this sort of wild west version of the Mm -hmm. theme that plays when he first goes into the town and like it's just it's stunning and like the way the music builds as he punches biff at um to Mad Dog at the end and stuff. It, it's it's great. It's fanta- a fantastic yeah, it's really score across all three movies. Um and it's just some especially unique work done in the third one you were gonna say about ZZ Top.
0: Uh yeah so ZZ Top were on set obviously because they did the song for this movie. Um very much like uh is it Hugh, Hugh is it Huey Lewis in the first one? And he's the he's the guy that says it's too loud. uh yeah i think so That's yeah. right. Huey yeah. lewis wrote power Alive, yeah that is Huey lewis yeah, yeah. and he's in the, when marty plays the song he's the stuffy teacher that's judging for the battle of the bands that's yeah. like it's too loud so again in that tradition zz topper in this movie they're on stage playing the music that's backing that sort of party that they're having to celebrate the clock being turned on so they were on set and apparently um during one of the takes a camera broke so they were waiting for the camera to be repaired. And as a joke, Michael J. Fox asked if they'd play um Hey Good Looking. So they did. It's for fun. Like they had the instruments, they were just started playing it. And that's kind of fun. And then people started requesting more stuff. And then two or three hours had gone by and it was basically like a party slash concert where they were playing songs, everyone's talking, and people would I mean <laughs> little drinks and stuff. And someone inquired if the camera had been repaired and Zemeckis apparently replied that it had been fixed for quite a while. He just didn't want to stop the party. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? <laughs> the the money like the stories of this film like <laughs> Yeah. The money that went, like, because I don't know if you've got it in the triv, but like, I think you mentioned it last week. Zemeckis was flying back and forth across the country to work mm-hmm. on both films at the same time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all the stuff with Michael J. Fox and and you know getting him from Family Ties and stuff. The, well, in this like, movie, uh, by just... the
0: time they were doing these movies, the reason they actually chose initially to shoot these back to back was actually because Michael J. Fox had a window between Family Ties ending and his whatever his next project after that was going to be. Um, and they knew they'd be able to shoot... He, Michael J. Fox wasn't doing Family Ties
1: alongside these two, thankfully. Yeah, I meant the first film, though. So, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. Was, And, like, it just really smells of a time where, like, nowadays, you, you don't... I don't get the feeling, like... <laughs> I don't think a film would pause nowadays to, to just experience a concert, like... <laughs> yeah, well, the good yeah, thing...
0: I think they got a lot of leeway with these two movies in terms of spending, because they estimate... Just by choosing to shoot them back to back, they saved about $20 million, which isn't nothing. It's a lot of money yeah. because obviously the problem you have when you do it as two movies is you're breaking all the sets down you're hiring and firing and you you, you know post pre-production where you get everything set up and not you know have offices and people starting to organise crews and schedules and all that stuff it's all time and money and like the reality is you do it as one big production you, you do save a lot uh, from not having the stop and start of it all um, so yeah I think they got a lot of leeway with stuff like that if I'm being honest with you yeah so yeah, the, have a good little ZZ Top concert is is in line. It's a shame it didn't really pay out in either because what did we say the last week? The I think I got it wrong initially, but it was like the the second one was like the fifth highest-grossing movie of the year, and I think the, this one was the sixth highest-grossing movie of the year. Um, I
1: think it was fourth and let me double check, but I think it was fourth for two and yeah i can't remember for third That's i wrong. think this
0: was sixth because this is the year okay let's see if i can remember because so this is the year that ghost came out and took all the money but it's also the year home alone came out and took all the money so i it, it, it can't be higher than third so and i think what else came out this year 1990 ninja turtles probably didn't do that well Uh, I'm trying to think oh no Total Recall probably didn't make more money than Back to the Future what else came out in 1990 yeah I think that's a good question because okay I can say with certainty there's no way Back to the Future 3 made more money than Home Alone and Ghost but if it's 6 which is what I thought I'd read what are the other 3 movies
1: yeah so hold on uh, what year was the first film? Eighty-five. The first film, yes, yeah. So yeah. the first film was number one, yes. eighty-five. Right. The second film, I, I thought. I think feel like it was fifth. I felt. I thought we checked last week and it was higher than that. Yeah, it's third. Um, oh, there you go, third according third. to Wikipedia, uh, Batman and Indiana Jones are above yeah. it. And then this so one. So where is do you reckon six. this one falls? well my and memory what do you is that I... above it.
0: Uh, so okay, so I, I I vaguely remember reading sixth, so I'm going to stick with sixth. I could prove wrong again. Above it for sure, Home Alone and Ghost, because it's 1990s. Those two movies made all the money. Um, mm-hmm. And if it, if I'm saying it's sixth, then there's got to be th- at least three other movies. And the only other movie I can it, think of that made money in that year is Total Recall, which I don't know if made as much as Back to the Future Three. So maybe so I'm wrong, is, and it, it is
1: third. It, it is sixth. Okay, and so it's six. Ghost and Home Alone are top, with Ghost number one. Right. Total okay. Recall is fifth. So there's two other films. There's two other films in between in fourth and third. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the rest of the top ten, and you've got to guess the two films that are in between <laughs> Total yeah. Recall and yeah, Home Alone. Go on. Right. Go on. So the rest of the top ten is Presumed Innocence, Dances with Wolves, Die oh. Hard Two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, oh, Pretty Woman, too. Kindergarten Cop. Which two do you think are in between Total Recall and Home Alone?
0: Fuck. Let me think. I'm because I'm, I was thinking of like I did when you said name the other two. In my head, I went, "Oh well, yeah, okay." So shit, we've got. Um, I was you know I thought of Dances with Wolves as being roughly nineties, but that's you're saying that's lower. No, I'm saying those are all the films.
1: You've got to tell me which two of those films are Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is one of the
0: options I had in my head was Dances with Wolves, but you've named that in the lower half, so it can't be Dances with Wolves. I'm trying to think of other films from the
1: 90s. Um, Was Goodfellas What do you mean I named it in the lower half? I didn't give a specific order to those films. Those are the six films that make up the top ten. You've got to guess which of those six films I named are the two that are Oh,
0: I've misunderstood. Oh, okay, well then Dances with Wolves then probably did quite well.
1: Yeah. So, Dances with Wolves is number four. So, what pretty do you woman? think is number three then? So, you're yeah, it's Pretty Woman. Yeah, if, if it's all of those so ones, die, it's Pretty Woman. Die Hard two is number seven. Presumed Innocent is eight. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is nine, and Kindergarten Cop is ten. No, no. Goodness. So just just while we're just while we're playing, then Dan, what's number one in 1992? 1991, sorry. Following year.
0: So, I think Terminator 2 was that year? Terminator
1: that was... 2 is, is number one. Yeah. Is it
0: number one? Oh, that's good. And then Hook, probably somewhere in there? Hook is four. Hook is four.
1: Silence of the Lambs? So, huh? Silence of the Lambs? Silence of the Lambs is five. Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast is number three. Very impressive
0: that you knew all of these were 1991. Well, I, this is this is the height of my, like this is the start of the height of my like. Oh no, it can't be! I was far too young. I guess that when I finally you got into three. film, like the five or six years prior, were all the movies that were on video. So, like yeah. acquiring so, and collecting all these.
1: Um, I so okay. So I'll give you a hint for number two because you're only missing two. Well, so I'll give you the ones that it's not. So 10 is City Slickers. Nine is Hot Shots, I would have never, I would have never Fear, remembered City Slickers. <laughs> no. Eight is Cape Fear. Seven is the Adams Family. Six is JFK. Five Addams. is The Silence of the Lambs. Four is Hook. Three is Beauty and the Beast. The second one this is a property that has been renamed multiple times. And I'm sure most people would argue. This and an animated version is probably the only time it got close to nailed. That's
0: fascinating. Um, I feel I'm going to feel so stupid, when I know the answer to this, aren't I?
1: Yeah, because a pretty big hint.
0: Yeah, I can sense it's a really big hint, but I'm not. It's not coming to me. Because we've already said the Adams family, haven't we?
1: Yeah,
0: that's further down the list. Um... No, it's not coming to me. You're gonna have to tell me, otherwise this is gonna be painful for listeners just
1: to hear me struggle. So let me give. Let me give you another hint. Go the on. last. I thought there was one um so shitload of films um that well i'll just tell you because i can't think i can't seem to find another hint because i thought there was a remake of this more recently than what this is telling me um it was robin hood prince of thieves was
0: it really number two
1: yeah fuck me that's the is that that's the the russell that's the russell crowe one right that's like yeah, which is why I think I I don't really know. I don't go deep on Robin Hood, but I'm pretty sure most people consider that and the cartoon to be the I suppose Robin Hood men in tights is quite popular as well, isn't it? But isn't that more of a spoof? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy. It's a, it's a really good comedy. Oh right yeah, it w- I was right. There was one recently. So there was one I was going to say. There was there was the most recent one was a 2018 <laughs> film which really didn't do well.
0: <laughs> no, apparently it's not terrible, but it's a uh, yeah, it's the one, that's the one with the kid from Kingsman, isn't it? Yeah, Taron uh, Taron Edson. HG. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, yeah, it's that is something. Um, yeah, I think that sort of my obsession with films sort of grew through the nineties, and I think the, all the films that were readily available on VHS were the films of the late eighties because they'd they'd come to it automatically because they were you know what I mean. Like, so I think mm-hmm. that's why like that, that era from sort of like late eighties through to the sort of mid nineties. I. would Film-wise, I, I, he's kind of my <laughs> my specialist.
1: Well, then let's subject. just let's just let's just very quickly do the top. So, top film of 1992? Um, I guess probably
0: the Bodyguard. Number two. That's number two. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. no, of course, because you've got um fucking Disney at it again, weren't they? This is the start of the Disney renaissance. So that'd be uh, that'd be Aladdin, wouldn't it? It is Aladdin, correct? Nineteen ninety-three. Uh, 3 is the easiest one for me um, it's Jurassic Park um, because for yep. years and years and years I was absolutely convinced Jurassic Park was 1994 because it was in the UK and debate, I literally had debates with people about this until I eventually realised I was wrong so I know Jurassic Park <laughs> is 93, hey. and obviously Jurassic Park hey, co- famously made all the money
1: yep. Jurassic Park was number 1 a, a f- fantastic year for film I would argue 1994 Let's uh, pro. Oh. Fuck me! The Flintstones was number six. It's it's... Flintstones number
0: six and four. So I'm trying to think of other movies from four, and I'm thinking that the clear winner probably uh, it's got to be. It's this is a game we're in the Disney Renaissance now, aren't we. So this is that's got to be Lion King. But I was torn because uh, right, cause I was I was also remembering that Forrest Gump made a ton of money. So where yeah. does that number two? That's two. Number two.
1: Ninety five. Oh, fuck me. God. I would not have expected that.
0: Oh, see, now I was just about to say it's Toy Story because it's Disney again. But your reaction. Nope. Makes Toy me Story big. is number two. Okay.
1: um... I No, number four. Bond, Bond, Bond movies make a lot of money. So, according to Wikipedia. Number four, Golden Number three, Apollo thirteen. Oh yeah, well, Apollo. Two, no, Apollo, th- Apollo thirteen. Did that yeah,
0: that, I forgot about Apollo thirteen. That's a good movie and it meant a lot. That did make a lot. No, of what
1: money. I'm saying is all of these movies I would have put above what is number one. Oh shit! So Golden Eye, Apollo thirteen, Toy Story number one, according to Wikipedia, is Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Amazing. That is fucking crazy. Uh,
0: and we'll just do one more. Ninety six. Uh, well, that's yeah. So now we're we're at the break of the uh, the disaster movie era now. So it would be, I want to say it's Twister, but I it's it's either Twister or Independence Day because that Twister, I Twister remember is number two, in, in and Independence Day is number one. Independence Day, yeah, Twister, number
1: two. Independence Day, number one.
0: Yeah, because uh, that's when Disney started to slip back a little bit. Like Hunchback didn't do the same numbers as the previous Disney movies. I remember. So then it just you just left with your disaster movies.
1: You know. You know what, because it's easy, we're finished the nineties. So ninety seven is obvious.
0: Uh yeah, Titanic, yeah, that's right. And and, and Men in Black probably with a, a James Bond film
1: mixed in there somewhere as well. Uh Men in Black is number three. Uh The Lost World is number two. Oh I forgot. Yeah, that, I forgot that we four. got a we got a we got a sequel at that point. Yeah. Uh ninety
0: eight. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. What came out in ninety eight? Um so you can already see that we're hitting the edge of my like Obsession. Um Godzilla didn't make as much as they wanted, so that's not of the top. Number three. Um Bugs Life didn't do as much as Toy Story, so that's gotta be lower. Number five. Number five,
1: okay. Saving Private Ryan. Number two. What am I missing? I think uh I think a big old rock and a big old drill. Oh God, Armageddon! Oh yeah, Armageddon. Armageddon of course, is number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 1999 should probably be fairly obvious. Uh, as yeah,
0: it's well. Phantom Menace. Um, but out of curiosity, yeah. I don't know what's number two because there's two. 99, if memory serves, is like the year that like, fuck, like the Mummy, the Matrix, Toy Story 2, the Sixth there's Like there's so many. Like, and there was a Bond movie that year as well, and Austin Powers. So like, I, in my head, I'm going, I have no idea what came second in 1999. Now thinking about it.
1: Uh, you did just name it but it wouldn't have been it, it wouldn't have been my guess given the other if you'd have just named the films i wouldn't yeah. have put this right. one at second so um the Austin Powers which you named is number 10 then it's American Beauty right. then it's the world is not enough sure. then Notting Hill then which Notting Hill i knew that was i know that was a hit in the UK but i didn't realize worldwide uh no. the Mummy Tarzan the Matrix Toy Story 2 and then The Sixth Sense oh that's a fun.
0: there you go Six cents. And yeah, I don't think I'd have called Star
1: that. Wars. It was a big I year was year quite film, surprised because I, I looked the. I was looking at billion-dollar movies the other day, and as far as I can make out, technically, for all its shit, I didn't realize that the Last Jedi is the second highest-grossing Star Wars film of all time. Yeah, if and you're not adjusting by for *Force inflation. Awakens*. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah, no? yeah. so I suppose actually that would have been fairly obvious because <laughs> yeah, Rise of Skywalker didn't do as well as people hoped and inflation would fuck the rest Yeah, exactly um, yeah so there you go So um, anyway, but, so back what to- other trivia you got for Back to the Future part
0: <laughs> yeah sorry we went off on a real tangent there I hope people don't mind that but there you go um, so the uh, three old timers in the saloon um, played by Dub Taylor Pat Bertram and Harry Carey Jr they sort of apparently they p- play sidekicks, town drunks and various colourful townsfolk in hundreds of western Movies and TV shows, that was like their that was their jam. That's all they did. Um, that's so cool that they got them in this movie. Like they like clearly they just found their niche and stuck to it. Like I love that they did that. I mean, I'm sure they did. Uh, to, sorry, it's point not fair to say that's all they did, but that's very famously what they were good, for, what they were like good at doing and enjoyed doing and were doing a lot of. So I think that's kind of fun. Um, let's have a look. So Clara Clayton is a reference to Clara Clemens. Who is the is the was the name of of uh, Mark Twain's daughter? Um, she had a, an incident similar to Clara Clayton's, uh, where like she was at the top of a hill. there was a fifty foot drop. I think she was in like a sled that overturned, um, and she nearly got like trampled by a horse and so on. She was saved, so it was kind of mildly um, inspired by what happened to Clara Clemens. So there you go, a little cool. bit of. But Well, Chris. not cool
1: that not cool that that happened, but nice nod of the filmmakers.
0: Yeah, to, to, to a real incident. Um, in the first movie, Doc tells Marty that he was inspired to create the flux capacitor by hitting his head uh, on the bathroom sink while hanging a wall clock above his toilet. In the start of this movie, when Doc freaks out after seeing Marty um, in his house and runs into his bathroom, you can clearly see the clock he hung above his toilet um, that caused him to slip. Um, I like that they kept that detail.
1: Two mm, movies definitely.
0: Later. Um, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, um, figured that, um, oh yeah, we've already talked about that one. Nope. Take a shot. That's me saying a trivia that we've already said. This one's an interesting one. Um, Doc Brown states that, um, his German ancestor's surname was the Von Braun's. And this is actually a, a reference to Werner Von Braun, who was a leading rocket scientist in Germany, um, who went to America following World War Two and became a big part of the NASA program, um. Actually, a lot of that Von Braun stuff is dealt with in the TV show from last year on Apple TV. What was it called? Um...
1: Oh, um... God. Threadstone. Which one, sorry? Threadstone. Threadstone. Treadstone?
0: No, Threadstone? No, 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 no. The, so the, one. the one about the moon landing.
1: Oh, I thought you said Bourne film. Do you mean... No, no. For that... All Mankind.
0: Yes, For All Mankind. Thank you. Yes, I didn't yeah. say... No, I didn't say Bourne film. Um, yeah, For All Mankind dealt with that last year. Um, yeah, so Werner Von Braun, like, he was a nazi scientist probably made rockets that the nazis used to develop to deliver like mustard gas and shit like he probably was involved in some pretty heinous shit but he did go to america and then do a lot of really good stuff with the with with nasa um like they pretty much pretty much is the reason they got to the moon um so obviously it's it's an an interesting nod that doc brown shares Mm. his name with the with the with another uh famous
1: scientist um can i can I just explain for anyone going, I mean clearly Dan wasn't talking about the James Bourne spin-off threadstone. Clearly Chris's attention had wandered for a second then. I will fully admit I was distracted, but it's because I'm still on the highest grossing films page and I'm just I I was distracted by the madness of <laughs> of 2015 Star Wars Force Awakens two billion. 2016 Captain America Civil War one billion. Two thousand and seventeen, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, one billion. Two thousand and eighteen, Avengers: Infinity War, two billion. Two thousand and nineteen, Avengers: Endgame, two point seven billion. Two thousand and twenty, Bad Boys for Life, four hundred twenty five million. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. At, at
0: present, hell. I think like I think Sonic the Hedgehog is like the third highest grossing movie of the year. <laughs>
1: it's just.
0: Like, I think, like, Invisible Man is in, like, 8th or
1: something. Like, it's crazy. It's so much fun. I love Apparently, it. Apparently, yeah, it's second. So it's Bad Boys for Life, Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> Doolittle, which was a massive flop, <laughs> Birds of Prey, <laughs> The Invisible Man, The Gentleman, The Call of the Wild, Onward, Tahaji, and to, to, Tolo Tolo. Um, yeah. Just craziness. <laughs> that, is, that is bonkers.
0: Um, so, um... Last couple, uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale both were adamant that the studio released these two movies within six months of each other. Um, this is so the audiences wouldn't have to wait long between the installments to get the conclusion. Uh, good choice, smart move. Me, me approve. Mm. Um, and oh, another very last one: um, Mary Steenburgen, who plays Cara, Clara Clayton Brown, and Jules Verne share a birthday.
1: That's nice.
0: So her, so Mary Steenburgen's birthday is the same as Jules, Jules Verne's birthday, and obviously a big part of her <laughs> character thinking. So as you can tell, listeners, uh, the trivia for Back to Future 3, the Future Three—the fact that
1: I included that one—not as good. <laughs> oh, well, the fact that we took a detour. So in that case, Dan, we've we, you know we've gone a bit over. No, no faffing about. We don't know when it's coming, but because <sighs> we're going to go back to Stephen University for a bit, we think. Um, <laughs> We haven't quite worked it out yet, but that is the current intention. Yeah. When we get to season three of Rewind Reviews, Dan, yep. where are we going first? So, I had two options. One is a film that I've not
0: seen... I wanted to do a film that I loved as a kid that I've not seen pretty much since. That was kind of like... I, I enjoyed doing that here with these... No, with these ones we have done more recently. There was one just a couple ago that we, I hadn't seen in a while. We were like, no, it's better. We talked a little bit about Rugrats. And I said, I fear watching Rugrats. Mm. Um, we talked a little bit... Uh, we talked a bit like films like Casper. Remember Casper? I loved mm-hmm. Casper as a kid, but I've not seen it since. Um, who knows if that's a good movie in the cold light of adulthood. I've never adulthood. back to Casper. Um, yeah. But then I remembered, Chris, the pain and the anguish that you put me through when you made me watch Girl Next Door to open the season, This and this set of Rewind reviews. And I thought... God, would it be fun to sort of tag that with another movie that opens it? That's just—I'm convinced, absolutely convinced—Young Dan was wrong about. I think it's a. I think it's a. I think it's going to be one of the worst movies I ever sit down to rewatch. <laughs> is
1: this your? Is this your pick for? Because you say you've got up your sleeve a genuinely bad movie that's not yes. even like that's not even. Um, like good bad, not even yeah. poke fun at bad, no, just flat I, out bad. Is, I, that, is this? This is it. I, I, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for that one
0: because because for me, I, I only have to take a glance at a trailer for this to know, young Dan was an idiot. This is an awful, awful atrocity to cinema, and we're gonna be watching it. <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, let's go with that then. Because well, I, I got, I, I well, don't know whether it will match it, but I've got a pretty good revenge for that, uh, which is, and the story that goes with the movie, the reason why it's nostalgic for me is ridiculous. Like, right. I, it, it's a, it's a story that you must have like lived through you because we were friends when this happened to me. Right, right. Do you remember the story of the three-day blind date? <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we'll get
0: uh, let's put we'll a in that. that. Let's book, not yeah. let's not tease that too much because that yeah we that's gonna be interesting. Um, yes, so Chris, do you, wanna do you want to know? Don't want to put you out of my misery. You'll I I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you'd literally never heard about. But this movie is not funny. It's gross. The music's irritating. The story is nonsensical. We're gonna be watching MTV's first foray into making movies themselves. We're gonna be watching joe's apartment
1: okay joe isn't that a bit of hasn't that got a bit of a cult following now
0: i mean if it has i feel sorry for everyone involved (laughs) it's my memory of it is that young dan loved it but i had to only glance at a trailer recently to know it is absolute shite
1: um what can I just say that the tagline on the poster is Sex Bugs Rock and Roll so yeah and now it's funny because that's what it's going to be interesting about it is because it's i it's recontextualized
0: for me it was just a movie like about I mean I'm not going to tell you what it's about you just have to we'll have a look and see but um it was just a fun silly kids movie about this 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 thing but the actual context of the movie and it's what in the wider world is it was MTV dipping their toes into making movies so you know that tagline sex bugs rock and roll is very much in line with what mtv were doing at the time and it's funny how it recontextualizes all of the weird choices in this movie because this movie has covers of songs that are awful and like it's it's oh i can't even talk to you about it until we've seen it but like oh jesus yeah i i've been saving it for a special moment and if we're going to be starting a new series of these in a couple months time or whatever um we might as well start like we started this first set uh, sorry, the second set with a movie that's just awful. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. Um, yeah. Joe's apartment.
1: Boom. <laughs> there we go. Right. So yes, yeah, so we can g- oh no, I said I was gonna do it. Right. right. So Dan. If yep. you want us on Twitter, yep. nothing but static without the G. Boom. You wanna email us maybe? Nothing but static at gmail dot com. You tell me. Facebook, post. nothing but static. We've still got the G, baby. What have we got the g for the email, haven't we? Um yeah. no.
0: No. Well oh, no no. If, it? It, if it's mail at nothing but then that's correct. Yeah, that, that's with the g. Yeah.
1: Yeah, mail at nothing but static.co.uk. We I used made, to have really.
0: nothing but static without the g at gmail.com as well. That's the the old one. Sorry, that's why oh, I got right. confused. Yeah, no, it's ma- that mail. That still works though, if you send
1: a, an email to that one, it comes to us as well fair enough uh, Facebook nothing but static uh, Dan is at Dan Doolan I'm at C Billingham 2M's baby uh, you can you can follow us on Spotify and where you get your podcast app leave a review on one of them if you fancy helps us out a lot love it just a little, little follow little like little review whatever you want to do thank you for that I'm Chris Billingham I'm Dan Doolan and this review has been Rewound
0: Now, Chris, I ask you a question here at this stage very quickly before we end. Do you feel like you Mm. missed something? Have you got that niggling feeling you you get when you leave the house and you think, God, have I left left the oven on? YouTube? Did I miss YouTube? You didn't do YouTube, but I'm not too... That's a small one. The, the, The Patreon was the one I was thinking.
1: I mean, no, not many, you know, the, the, yeah, well, okay, so, so well, it's Dan's because we're sh- going to miss no, those it's big, big because, it's because oh. this show goes out a week early on the Patreon, oh, and, yeah. Yeah,
0: and while and while yeah, you, not, you ah, won't be able to get well, Joe's apartment this exactly. week like
1: you can normally,
0: exactly. it'll, be, miss it'll, that be the, it'll be the place like, you can first get it when it, we do come yeah, back yeah
1: but because people weren't going to get it right away I didn't want to make I ca- I didn't want to write a cache that we couldn't check Dan that was my <laughs> main sort of that's why I didn't that's why I deliberately chose to miss that out amazing cool unless we start putting the Steven University content up in advance which might actually make strategic sense from our point of view <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I miss what you said there, like my my cat started meowing. I said unless goes. we start
1: putting the Steve, I said unless we start putting the Steven University content a week up in advance on Patreon and then I went which would actually probably make more strategic sense from our point of view. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go.
0: Thanks everyone for listening. There you. Go.
1: Bye. Bye.